الحمد للہ الحمد للہ الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنحتدی لولا ان هدان اللہ وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الحمد وله الملك يحيي ويميت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدًا عبد الله ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أرسله الله للناس نذيرًا وبشيرًا من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد رشد ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فقد ضل ضلالا بعيدا أوصيكم ونفسي أولا بتقوى الله وطاعته وأحذركم من عسيانه ومخالفة أمره أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وأحسن الهدي هدي محمد وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار يقول الله عز وجل وهو أصدق القائلين في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تتخذوا الذين اتخذوا دينكم هزوا ولعبا من الذين أوتوا الكتاب من قبلكم والكفار أولياء واتقوا الله إن كنتم مؤمنين Brothers and sisters, committed Muslims In the wake of the massacre in New Zealand that no doubt all of you are already cognizant of I do not intend on this occasion to make some conciliatory statements or to dispense the typical platitudes about hate such that it leads us into a domain 
where we exhaust ourselves in screaming and crying about our pain and then don't do anything. For this is a not a time of conciliation. It is a time to express difficult truths even though these truths and their expression may offend some and yet it may even hurt others. For while this is still fresh in our minds, we need not only to explore the causes of what happened, the mindset that produced the results that killed over 50 people. But also we ourselves have to have a desire beyond the purview of governments and international organizations that don't seem to be doing anything to help us ensure our own security, our own justice, and our own freedom. Last week we talked about hate speech. How this is a label that is applied to the people who do not have power by the people who do have power as a means of disarming them from the desire to represent their principles and their liberty and their freedom. And so long as we are talking about hate speech, there appears to be an officially sanctioned hate machine that is spewing all kinds of vitriol and venom 24-7 against Muslims. To such an extent that it has rationalized for almost all people all over the world that it is okay to go and slaughter Muslims in countries where they are majorities. And when they flee from those countries because of that condition and that situation, and they go to other countries, hoping thereby to have some degree of security and solace so that they can raise their families, even in those countries, they are not safe from the long arm of imperialism and Zionism and racism. Less than 1% of the population in New Zealand is Muslim. It is said according to their demographic figures that 46,000 of a 5 million population are Muslims. And it is this 46,000 that somehow precipitated an immigration crisis in that country according to some. At first, the killer and the murderer was portrayed as somebody who was anti-immigrant. 
but there are 140,000 Chinese immigrants in, in New Zealand. So what about anti-Chinese violence? And when the thoughts of this particular person were made available for everyone to see, it was discovered that this same media which is reporting on this incident was euphemizing this all along, that he is not only not anti-immigrant, he is precisely anti-Muslim and anti-Muslim immigration. And that's what his manifesto declares. Something or on the order of 72% of the hate crimes that are committed in the United States are committed by people who belong to either a white nationalist cult or a white nationalist militia. Only they are not characterized as acts of terror. For a white nationalist crime to be considered an act of terror, they say it has to have a political motivation. And even though something like seven cases out of a hundred per year can be chalked up to so-called Islamic terrorism, they say that those cases of, of Islamic terrorism are terrorism because precisely there is a political motivation behind them. And it's insofar as the 72 or perhaps 93 other incidents that are not classified as acts of terrorism, they say that there is no political motivation. And so now we take a look at the incident that just happened in New Zealand and we try to filter it through this logic and this rhetoric. And we ask ourselves, was there no political motivation behind the slaughter of these innocent 49 Muslims? Isn't his manifesto filled with political and politicized motivations? And because of that, because the vast majority of white nationalist crimes are not classified as terror crimes or hate crimes, then the vast majority of resources that are dedicated to combating and fighting terrorism are not dedicated and directed towards where or the source of that terrorism, which is white national hate and Zionist hate. And yet the vast majority of the res those resources are directed at a very small percentage of the cases that are taking place in this country and elsewhere. And there's another tidbit that came out of this incident. In reading this murderer's manifesto, they said that he was influenced by a French nationalist, racist intellectual. As if you can apply the words racist and nationalist in the same sentence as intellectual. But nonetheless, 
there's this French intellectual which seems to have inspired this killer and murderer to go out and slaughter all those Muslims. And this French intellectual says that the demographic colonization, in particular that associated with non-white Muslims, is 20 times more important than the European colonization of Africa and the Muslim East. Now, I don't know where this person is reading up on the meanings of words. But the last time I checked, colonization is an act of force. You go into another people's territory and you assume possession of the land and the resources by force. And then when you go there, it's typically accompanied by a heavy dose of ethnic cleansing, extermination, famine. And then all of the resources that happen to be in the occupied territory or the colonized territory, all those resources are shipped back to the home country. Now remind me, brothers and sisters, or whoever else is out there listening, the last time that the Muslims entered into Europe or to America or to Canada or to any other white majority country and entered into that country by force and stayed there by force and possessed all of the resources to ship them back to the so-called Muslim world. Remind me the last time that that happened. And yet, nonetheless, they have the nerve and the guts to say that the Muslims are demographically colonizing their countries. We don't have any standing armies in Europe and America that stand there by force. We don't have prolific intelligence organizations that are con conducting espionage activities in those countries. We don't have Muslim corporations that are raping and pillaging the natives of their resources. And yet we are the ones who are accused of demographically colonizing a portion of the world that can't stand to deal with the so-called other. One other thing that he may not realize, or he probably realizes it and is not, and is sort of willfully avoiding having to deal with the reality, is that all of the so-called, or not so-called, all of the people of European extraction in the Americas and in Australia, and New Zealand, and Canada, all of them are the sons and daughters of immigrants. Yeah, that's right. All of them are the sons and daughters of immigrants. All of these countries, or all of these territories, had native populations. 
The only thing is that that native population no longer exists because it was exterminated. Because they were ethnically cleansed. And because now they are on reservations. And because their culture was destroyed. And their language was effaced from the narrative of history. And so, they say that on this occasion you're supposed to make conciliatory statements. In a sense, what they're saying is that you Muslims, you're not supposed to have any feelings. You're supposed to take all of this lying down. Let the imperialists and Zionists do whatever they want. At whatever scale of destruction and violence. And you being the noble sufferer, you just should take it. And you're aware of the scale of degradation, whether it is through words or whether it is through the physical destruction of our cities and our infrastructure. You are well aware of the depth of that degradation. And so when we fight back, whether we fight back in words or whether we fight back with the instruments of war, then we are the ones who are labeled as terrorists and extremists. We are the ones who are labeled as engaging in hate speech. But this is the kind of what, what just happened in New Zealand. And what's, what's been happening with the destruction of entire countries in the Muslim world. This is what leads to extremism and terrorism. Until we Muslims are ready to take an uncompromising step in the face of a threat to our freedom, our liberty, our families, until we are ready to take that uncompromising uncompr step in such a way that we are willing to leverage any and all means available to us, whatever they may be and wherever they may be, to reverse this degrading condition that we find ourselves in. Until we are ready to take that uncompromising step, we will never have any other allies in the world. There are many other people in the world of color who are suffering exactly what we are suffering. Even though they are not being labeled as terrorists and extremists, but nonetheless they are suffering economic degradation, political isolation, and social deformation. And in them, which happens to be the vast majority of the world, we have allies, we have friends, and we have supporters. But our problem is that we can't figure out a way to mobilize. We live in a world today where the Muslims are not free to practice their religion. We are not free to practice our deen. 
there is a dominant power culture whose social system thrives on the degradation of all races except for the chosen people and the master race. It has a political system that thrives on the castration, on the castration of the political will of the other. It has an economic system that thrives on the theft of the resources of the other. And for the past 70 years, that the nexus of all of this is the existence of Israel. The dispossession of the Palestinians. And the unfortunate quietude of the vast majority of Jews all across the world. What do you think, brothers and sisters, that this white nationalism stuff doesn't have a context? That it just grew out of a vacuum? Who do you think is stoking and fanning the flames and manipulating this so-called white nationalism that is, that is exhibiting itself in very real terms in dead bodies and dead children and dead women Without white nationalism and Christian Zionism, the state of Israel cannot survive. Perhaps it would not have survived even five months out of the blocks. Harry Truman was a Christian Zionist. George W. Bush was a Christian Zionist. Dick Cheney was a Christian Zionist. And now the current occupier of the White House is a Christian Zionist. White nationalism, Christian Zionism, both are essential. And we may add a third element to that. And the degradation and the dehumanization, the demonization of Muslims are critical elements to the survival and the existence of Israel. And I know that not many people out there are going to be making this connection. But it is a connection that needs to be made. For across the world there are 15 million Jews. And the vast majority of them, certainly there are few who are critical and who are principled with regard to that Zionist cancer in that part of the world. But the vast majority of them, either they are quiet about the whole affair, or they are marching soldiers behind this contagion and this pathogen, which is infecting the entire world. And to those Israelis who are over there on the other side of the ocean, 
we offer a bit of advice. Be careful of the Pandora's box that you open today. For those same white nationalists, they are not going to destroy Islam. But they may well come after your enclave. And they may not stop there. For you know in your own history that when they got started, they were not ready to terminate their desire to exterminate until every single last Jew was destroyed on earth. And so we offer you a bit of advice. Be careful of unleashing this pathogenic racism all across the world. For you know that you had freedom and a homeland in Muslim countries. You know that you did. And you know that you can have it again. Just one little example. You hear reports all the time of the number of people in Muslim countries who are becoming Christians. Yeah, you hear this report all the time. In fact, the missionaries actually brag about the fact that Muslims in the droves are becoming Christians. Which speaks to the fact that they are free to promote the gospel in Muslim countries. Otherwise, why would Muslims be becoming Christians? And so now I ask you, brothers and sisters, conversely, how many Jews in the state of Israel are becoming Christians? Tell us. How many Jews in the state of Israel are becoming Christians? And so, as a corollary, we ask you that if this is the only democracy in the Middle East, why are Christians not free in the land of Christ to promote Christianity? Yes, they have freedom in the Muslim world. They had freedom in the past. They will have freedom in the future. Because we have the capacity to reverse this tendency inside of human beings that, pre that prefers one race or one religion over others. Over the past 70 years, I don't know how many laws and how many resolutions have been passed to try to deliver some kind of equity and justice to the Muslims in that part of the world who have been deprived. The case of Kashmir is as old as the case of Israel. And yet we know what's going on in Kashmir. And so this is what I offer to you, brothers and sisters. 
that any time you have governments that claim to represent you, or you have an international community that is passing laws and resolutions to try to bring justice and security to your lands and your countries and your people. And on every occasion they fail. Or either they are unable or unwilling to deliver the justice that you chose them to deliver to you. Then you have every right in the world. You have every authorization from every source in the world to take the matters into your own hands and to do whatever is in your power to do to bring justice and security to your societies by whatever means necessary whenever and wherever possible اقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروه يغفر لكم فاسترشدوه يرشدكم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله This notion of Israeli Zionism and the way that it's manipulating white nationalism and Christian evangelism is not an easy issue to deal with It has deep historical roots perhaps roots that go all the way back to Musa alayhi salam or perhaps even before that. And because it is not an easy issue to deal with, you don't find many people talking about it with a view to identifying it as a source to the injustice and the oppression that we are experiencing in the world today, Muslim and non-Muslim alike. I can tell you with good confidence that were Somalia to have either a majority Jewish population or a majority white Christian population, that it would not have had to go through 20 years of war and societal instability. Were Libya a majority Jewish country or a majority white Christian country, there is no way on earth that it would have been destroyed. And I can say that about a whole slew of other countries in the world that happened to be populated by people of color, by people who don't belong to a certain religion, or people who don't belong to a so-called preferred or a chosen race. This incident in New Zealand took place yesterday. Yesterday also the Zionists bombed over 100 targets in Gaza. 
There's no word as to how many people were killed or how many were injured. And now ask yourselves, brothers and sisters, if there was a city in the United States or in the UK or in Germany or France in which a hundred targets were bombed, do you think that you would hear almost nothing about it? Well, there was a masjid that was bombed in New Zealand and it's news all over the world. There are people trying to make an assessment about what caused this. And yet here you have a Zionist entity which probably did, did ten times worse and yet you see almost nothing about it in the newspapers. A story here or there. And this tells us once again there are special rules for that country and there are other rules for everybody else. Official State Department policy right here in Washington. They've stopped using the word occupied or occupation for the West Bank and for the Golan Heights. Now they're calling them Israeli controlled territories. Asked as to why they are doing that, why the, why the change in verbiage? They're saying that, well, these are not policy issues. We're just describing the situation on the ground. But there's nothing that happens in this city that doesn't happen without a purpose and a program. And you're going to see as you go forward in time that the word occupation is just going to be missing from this narrative altogether. The U.S. closed its consulate in Jeru Jerusalem and it merged the consulate with its embassy that it has recently moved to Jerusalem. That consulate used to function as a de facto embassy for the Palestinians. But of course, under this current administration in the White House, it has shed all pretense of partisanship toward Israel. What it wants to do is it wants to take the issue of Jerusalem as a capital of Palestinians in particular and Muslims in general off the table. It wants to take the right of the return of refugees off the table. And of course by this they mean Palestinian refugees. As far as Jews are concerned, even though they never lived in the Holy Land, they have the right and the option to come anytime they want and to live in that part of the world. Of course, recently, this administration shut down the PLO office right here in Washington. And it cut close to a billion dollars in funding for the open-air prison that's Gaza and for the UN Relief Agency for the Palestinian refugees. Half a billion dollars. And all of this is being done for this so-called deal of the century. In order to achieve this deal of the century, two key pieces have to fall in place. And the first is right now in front of our, our eyes working itself out 
for the clown prince of that degraded kingdom in Arabia. This MBS, let's call him what he is. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a traitor a traitor. He is the Israeli ambassador to the Muslim world. For he is running around to Muslim majority countries trying to convince them to officially recognize the state of Israel. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Because it is his country that wants to come out in the open, come out of the closet as it were, to publicly recognize Israel, but it can't do that without a whole bunch of allies on your side. You say, look, they did it. Yes, he is the Israeli ambassador to the Muslim world. And if you see his name, call him that. So that everybody in the world understands that that's what he's doing. And that's who he's working for. And that's where his loyalties are. The other key factor that has to fall into place is the manipulation of white nationalism and Christian Zionism. To characterize this so-called beleaguered other, the Muslim, as a savage, as somebody who has to be caged, as somebody who can't run his own affair, and thereby the civilized people have to come in and run it for him. And to this end, one of the more sort of articulate mouthpieces of this vitriol, who is himself under criticism right now for his misogynistic statements, he came out and said, plainly, as plain as day, that those Iraqis, they actually deserve what they got because they don't use toilet paper and they, and, 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 and they don't use forks. He's suggesting that civil society has something to do more with hygiene than it has to do with justice. Brothers and sisters, we live in this world. We are an important part of this world. Every one of our lives, be it man, woman, child, baby, every one of our lives is important. Every one of us has something unique to contribute to God's earth. And I'm not minimizing anybody else's contribution to God's earth. But we have a place on this earth. We belong. Our aspirations belong. Our desires belong. And key among those desires is our desire to live in an Islamic scriptural society 
And if we choose an Islamic scriptural society for ourselves, we have every right in the world to do that. Just like anybody else in the world has a right to choose the way that they want to live. And if anybody gets in our way and tries to prevent us by force, we also have every right in the world to use any means necessary to achieve our objective. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan wa zuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-baatila baatilan wa zuqna ijtinaabah Allahumma aghfir lil-mu'minina wal-mu'minat al-ahya'i minhum wal-amwat innaka qareebun sami'un mujibu al-da'awat Allahumma rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar rabbana la tuzir qulubana ba'da idh hadaytana wa hablana min ladunka rahmatan innaka anta al-wahab إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي للصلاة حي للفلاة